hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Thankful you guys are here once again on another episode. I hope all is well with you. It's uh, been a couple weeks here since our last episode. Um, things have been going well. I'm feeling good. Um, healing my gut up. Having a good time working with a new coach. Uh, Jess Swanson of Fast Factory, Granite Games. And she is really kind of getting dialing in my nutrition for one, but then we're also working on a few other things, a few other goals in which I'll share with you guys uh, what those are once we kind of get things ironed out. Um, Obviously, there will be some that are attached to the show. Um, Also looking at doing some seminars or some public speaking, which is terrifying. And uh, people with anxiety know um, if you haven't tried speaking in public, with anxiety, all the physical symptoms just simply take over and you can't control them. And um, that might be a good place to start. And being that I'm someone that that has a huge fear of that, I do it anyways. And what happens is I acknowledge it right away with the group that I'm talking to. Um, I, I just, it seemed to lose a little bit of its power once I would openly admit that, okay, when I start talking, you're gonna notice a few things. My voice is going to be very shaky. Um, my bottom lip is probably going to quiver a little bit or get really straight. And I might um, pace a little bit. I might be out of breath. But eventually, I will calm down. And you'll, you'll notice within the first minute and a half that I'm going to calm down. And as soon as I started to acknowledge that when I would speak, it would get a lot better. And so that might be one thing to try if, if uh, you do end up speaking a lot in your um, professional career, or if you do it, uh, for, as a passion, which, you know, if you have anxiety, kudos to you, if you can do that for a passion. Um, but what you need to do is acknowledge what you're up against. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that with the crowd, whoever's there, that is the support for your talks, let them know, um, bring people into your weird, weird little world as, as I do. And a lot of the power that your anxiety has over you is deflated. And so that, that is just one technique to use if you're someone that does end up having to talk quite a bit, or if you have to do it for school, a school project, um, you're providing information for people in the class. Think about that versus them judging you. Um, we get kind of wrapped up in that because we're conditioned that way from growing up in school, uh, to be judged. Like we get graded. That's also being judged and on how much information you can basically regurgitate. Um, I won't go down the rabbit hole of what I feel about public education <laughs> because that's not, not what this podcast is about. I had a completely different experience than most people and that's just how I'm put together. But, um, you know, we're conditioned to think a certain way, to grade ourselves, to, um, in, in essence, be judged by other people with how, um, school is set up versus our creativity versus the, um, the value we can bring in a group project we just get graded on the end result versus the process. And so if you can start looking and reframing um, what you're doing for, for like a talk, uh, getting back to my first point, focus on the process. Like, are you practicing enough? Don't, don't worry about perfection. Um, and I've said this multiple times on the show is I make a check mark. I don't grade myself on how I do. Obviously, there's always going to be something that I'm going to want to get better at. Um, but I, I check it like a checkbox and say, okay, I did it. Um, I made it through it because that's a victory for me. Um, I, I was at a point 
and my son likes to bring this up because I told him this. Um, he had to leave. If you're if you haven't heard this story before, he had to. Um, we had a concert, and he had to get camp come down from the. Um, I think they're bleachers. Yeah, bleachers. Twice, he went back out there twice, and so I was super proud of him. And so he was a little uh, little hurt about that and a little embarrassed. And so I said, you know what? You went back in there twice. You know what happened to your dad one time? I had to give a talk. Um, There's like a group of us that had to give a speech at work. I went and hid in the bathroom for 45 minutes so I would miss my turn. So I hid from it. And you went back in there twice, buddy. Think about that. <laughs> and my son's the type of, kid, type of kid that doesn't forget that kind of thing, so he likes to bring that back up. But like acknowledging that and, um, you, you know, pushing through it, it's not going to be easy, but it gets easier. Uh, if you just kind of grit, grit and bear it and grin and bear, is it grit and bear it or grin and bear it? I don't know. Anyways, um, if you just kind of get through it and push yourself through it, don't worry about being perfect. I think that if you guys learn anything from this show, that's, that's my number one is like perfection is unattainable, but progress is attainable. I actually just posted something on my, my personal social media account about um, fixed versus growth mindset, and it's actually about nutrition. And so for diet, if you're looking at a diet versus eating for health, so this is what's on the side for the diet. Um, your mentality focuses on food as the enemy. So like if you eat something bad, you're upset about it, or you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you can't, can't, can't. Um, you focus on your bad habits. Things I'm doing temporarily is, is a diet. Things I don't like about myself. You know, we, we're always weighing ourselves, and the number is something that you don't even need to worry about. It's just a measure of gravity. And then there's a finish line with a diet, and that's a fixed mindset. Like I can't change. I can't. 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 Well, all you really need to do is kind of change up your focus and look at the health side of nutrition, which is a growth mindset. And, you know, there's two words in or Those two words each have a, another word in them for diet. There's die and you're, and more so for mentality, not so much for health, but your mentality kind of dies in a fixed mindset. It doesn't offer much for creativity. Now on the health side of nutrition, there's another word in there that's heal. And when you eat for health, which is what I'm doing right now, your body will heal and your mentality will focus on food as fuel. You focus on your good habits. What are you doing correct right now? Not necessarily if you have a bad choice or two, but what are you doing right? What are the victories for that day? Check it off. Because what you could control is your next food choice. You can't control what it would just happened or what happened earlier in the day. You can control what you do next. But if you focus on, I had a bad uh, decision early this morning, so the day is ruined, that's not true. You still have a choice to get back on track. The health mindset is also uh, things I am doing forever. Like it's a lifestyle change to eat healthy. It's not a diet. Diets are temporary and they're a fad, but eating for health, they're things that you're doing forever. It's a lifelong journey. And then you focus on things that you want for yourself. Like for me, aesthetically, like I would like to have abs. I mean, it's, it's not because I would show them off to everybody else, but for me, I, that's how I was like playing sports. I always had them. And now I'm 42 years old and be like, man, I mean, 
wouldn't be, wouldn't be bad to have him as a 42 year old. There's, there's a guy in our gym that's, you know, I think he's 56 or something like that has amazing abs. Like I want that, you know, he's 14 years older than I am. I'm like, dude, I want that. Um, and then you focus on your daily choices. And so you focus more so on the things that you can control and, um, what you can control and, and kind of pulling this back around to public speaking is your mind. You can't control what everybody else is going to think about you, even though that's probably what your focus is on. There's nothing you can do no matter how powerful you are mentally to change other people. But what you can focus on is how you prepare your mindset going into a speech. And for me, I focus on, okay, do I know the, know the information? Can I explain it to my kids? Because if I can explain it that easily, then I can explain what I'm about to say to a group of people that I don't really know very well. And so, um, I think it was Einstein that said, if you can't explain it to a child, you don't know it well enough. And so for me, I always kind of focus on that aspect. Well, if I don't know it well enough, I'm going to be nervous. And so I kind of over-prepare that way on knowing the information in case I do have a little hiccup where my mind gets sidetracked and I go down a rabbit hole. And so I, I have a little bit of a backup plan that, okay, I have all these statistics or all of these tidbits of information that I can um, find my way to get back on track in a talk if I tend to um, mentally uh, throw some ripples in my speech. And so... Um, another thing that I do for talking is focus on my breathing. And if you've ever seen me talk, you will notice that from time to time, I'll put my hand on my stomach and that is just my physical cue to see if my stomach is going in or out. And if it's not, that means I'm up in my chest breathing. And this is something that will correlate to a lot of you that have panic attacks. Put your hand on your stomach and, and see where you're breathing from when you're about to panic. Because what will happen is if you're breathing up in your chest and your sternum, you're going to tighten up, you're going to tense up. And from time to time, what's going to happen is your intercostal muscles, the muscles between your ribs, are going to tense up. And what that will, what that will do is, is it will give you some physical symptoms that are going to probably um, give you a little bit of a downward spiral if you start to focus on them. Because when your intercostals get tense, um, there's a variety of things that can happen, one of which is called costochondritis. It's just an inflammation in the lining of your rib cage and I've had this and it feels like like pressure gets pushed pushed onto your heart because like your soft tissue inflames and when it inflames it swells and so it's it kind of replicates a little bit of a heart attack this was the epitus for my first panic attack and so um now it's pretty rare it doesn't happen to very many people but Breathing up in your chest it, it can give you some physical th symptoms. And if you're someone that tunes into your heart, you want to avoid that um, chest breathing. Put your hand on your, your stomach and focus, is my stomach going in or in out? Or is my chest going up or down? And so if you breathe from your stomach, you can get a lot more oxygen. And when you are oxygen rich, it's less likely you're going to get that dizzy spell that kind of can throw you into a panic attack as well. Um, so for me, what would happen is I would start to feel my heart pounding and then I would be chest breathing. And so I was, um, under oxygenating and I'd get a little dizzy. And then all of a sudden I was in a full blown panic panic attack because I thought I was going to have a heart attack. So, um, the breathing is big. And, and like I said, when I'm talking, I'll, I'll put my hand on my stomach and make sure that I'm getting enough oxygen in me to, um, stay coherent. Um, I acknowledge the fact that I am anxious. 
and soon into it, I'm, I'm better off. Now, I don't speak as often as I would like, um, but it's something that does scare me, so I know it's something I have to do more of. Um, now, as a, as a CrossFit coach, I, I do it two times a night on Tuesdays and Thursdays and sometimes on Saturdays, and I can do that all day long. It does not phase me one bit. It's just it's, it's a passion of mine, and it's always been something that um, it, it seems like I don't get nervous. And I don't know why, and I don't try to figure it out. <laughs> it's just, I'm just happy that it doesn't happen in that space. And so um, it's something I can always go back to and practice. Uh, I, I've tried a variety of different approaches on, on implementing things that I may want to talk about um, as far as mindset down the road. Uh, but I just, it's kind of like a safe space to just kind of be myself and, and let myself talk and not have to worry about the things that may come up that um, may trigger my, my anxiety. So kind of a interesting uh, start to the show on public speaking, but um, I guess uh, there you go. If you've ever had questions about that, that's those are some of the things that I do. Um, well, I guess I'll just keep going. A couple of other things I do is I wear comfortable clothing. Um, it's more so for my ADD side. Like if socks don't fit right, I, do, I will give them to my younger brother. I don't even try to keep them. Um, if my underwear isn't feeling right, it's going to bother, bother me. It's just just how I am. Um, if, uh, my clothes aren't fit right, I'm going to be uncomfortable. And if I get uncomfortable, I'm going to get anxious. It's just, you just have to know yourself well enough to know that there's certain things that you need to feel comfortable. And if you don't know what those are, start, start a list, right? So just start a list of things that, okay, this is my comfort zone and see how you could apply that to, um, doing a public speech. Now, Obviously, I can't take a bath right before I speak. That'd be kind of weird. Be like, well, Corey's late because he's at home in his Epsom salt bath. <laughs> but I know that if I wear comfortable clothing and I do some box breathing before I go up on um, up on the podium or whatever, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to acknowledge what's going on. I'm going to focus on my breath, my hand on my stomach, and I'm going to take some big, deep breaths in between sentences as well. Um, another thing I, I do is I will do very quick eye contact, usually to people that I know the least. Um, what happens for me is if I look at people I know the most, it can trigger a little bit of angst and it really depends upon the subject matter for me. And so if it's something work related that I know, um, work related stuff is I, I am surrounded by a very intelligent, amazing people. So it's a little intimidating to get up even though like the stuff I'm usually talking about, I'm the one in the room that knows the most about it. It's still intimidating. And so I will focus on the people that I know the least because then I won't get in my own head. And so over time I've developed these, um, I would just call them techniques that I, I use when I do give a public speak that speech that is going to kind of help get me through. So, all right, now let's move on to a couple questions here that we got, um, for the show. And one was, uh, how can you effectively remove panic attacks from your life, your life? And I've talked about this in the past and you can effectively remove them. And that is consistent effort over time. But what you need to do is think of like the long game is not think about doing that tomorrow. Um, it's, uh, think about coffee. When you were a kid, you probably didn't like the taste of coffee. If, if you did, you were a little abnormal, not in a bad way. It's just most people don't. But eventually, you needed something to sip on in the morning, and you started drinking coffee. You probably didn't like it right away. And over time, 
if you are a coffee drinker, this is going to make sense. If you're not, I'm sorry. But over time, it eventually became just part of your life. And so for me, I started using these, um, my scavenger hunt skills that I developed and that would work for me and use them over time. And eventually it just became part of my life that I was able to manage panic attacks out of my life. And I like to say manage them out of my life versus um, get rid of them. Because like for me, it's, I, I feel safer saying that if one comes up, I know how to manage it out versus saying, well, panic attacks are completely gone because if one sneaks up, I'm screwed. And so I still practice those things that I need um, if, if and when one should pop up. Um, I know I got to fly here in, in a couple of weeks and that's going to give me a lot of anxiety, but I'm not really that worried about a panic attack because I have all that I need to fly. And I've talked about my, my issues with flying in the past on shows too, but you know, I have my, my crossword puzzles. I have my word finds. I have my iPad. I can watch a movie. I have my noise canceling headphones. And I also, um, called up my doctor and said, Hey, I'm going to need, you know, five to 10 lorazepam, the two, you know, and I take them an hour, no, I say hour and a half hour, 30 minutes before my flight. And so I take 0.5 milligrams, I think it is. So it's a very tiny amount and it's just enough to help me relax. And so I, I have that and I know ahead of time already. And now like five, 10, no, probably 10 years ago, I would have been thinking about flying for a month before I did it. Right now, I'm not even worried about it. Um, I'm going for work and, um, you know, I'm going with some people I do know, but uh, it's, it's going to be one of those things that I know I'm going to be anxious, but I'm not worried about a panic attack. And so it, it is like, like the coffee metaphor is, is eventually it just became part of your life because you consistently found it to bring value to you. And so if you can find those things that can help decrease your anxiety and your panic, they're going to become part of your life. And those are going to become your management tools of your scavenger hunt that you use on a regular basis. And for me, it's just, I know what they are. And the person that asks us questions, if you have any more, um, specifics on, okay, I need to get rid of my anxiety around my drive to work is one. I actually just talked to someone about the other day, they live in a big city and they get really anxious with the size and the intensity and the overstimulation of their commute. And so then we, we segued into like, well, what's your focus while you're driving? What are the things that you enjoy about your drive? Do you, what kind of music are you listening to? And what, what are you focusing on as far as the other drivers in the road? What's your mindset? Like, what are you doing before you leave your house? What, what are you worried about? Is it actually the driver is it actually getting to work? And so we, we started to ask all these questions and we narrowed it down to, they're listening to like screamo heavy metal for one thing, which I mean, it's not my bag, but uh, you know, they, they enjoy it, which, which is great. But I said, well, maybe that's, you know, it's a little intense for an intense drive. So maybe let's try a different type of music. And they're like, well, I, I, and the thing that came down to it is they were stressed because they were running behind every day. And so we ended up having them try getting up a half an hour earlier and getting ready a half an hour earlier, changing their music. And then they would focus on the yellow lines versus, I mean, obviously they were watching the traffic, but rather than looking in the windows at the people in the windows, we were focusing on the yellow lines and, you know, um, 
that was just their point of focus anyways. So it ended up being like, okay, let's narrow down what actually is going on. What's the situation that is getting us to a point of anxiety? What's, and and so a little self-evaluation, a little environmental evaluation, a little situational evaluation got us to a point that she's, she's got a couple of things she can try now um, to kind of decrease that anxiety. Um, and I think her, her biggest fear was having a full blown panic attack in the middle of rush hour traffic, which I understand that completely. I always had that too. And in fact, when I would travel, I always knew I would look up online and figure out where the, the hospitals were along the way in case I did have a panic attack, I could run into the ER. So, um, yeah, evaluating what you're going to need to, um, learn to like your coffee, if you will, um, and it's think about it in a terms of three to six to nine months versus tomorrow. Now, eventually you'll be able to look back and I, I just, I, I hear this quite a bit as you're going to look back and be like, I can't believe how far I've come. But right now, if when you're in the trenches, when you're in the thick of it, it doesn't seem possible. But I promise you, if you are consistent every day, day in and day out, evaluating what's, what can bring you some comfort, what can bring you some peace, it's going to get better every day if you do it because what you're doing right now isn't working. So let's try a new path on focusing on those things that can help versus the fear versus the habitual thinking that's going to spiral you into a panic attack. What we want to do is kind of put our hand down and say, no, I'm not going down that road again. I've got a new way of thinking. Here's my tools. I'm putting them in right now. And as soon as that, that dark, ugly thought comes up, you're like, nope, I'm going to reset. You know, I'm, I'm on a new path now and stop yourself throughout your day. Stop, you know, just, just interject like, nope, nope, reset. I still do that. I've been doing, you know, working on my anxiety since I was 22 years old. I'm 42. I've been doing it for 20 years and I will still stop myself. And it's a, it's a growth process, you know, and, and, you know, luckily for me, I, I'm very ritualistic. And I just it, it developed a habit on a certain way of thinking and it became a way of life. It became my coffee in the morning and that coffee is just something I hold on to and I just throw it in there as I need to. So I hope that helps. Um, if you got any more questions on that, let me know. Um, the, and, and to kind of segue into this next one, it wasn't really a question um, for my show. This is something that I, I got from someone that I, I coach in our, in our CrossFit gym. Um, they, they said, have you ever talked in depth about how important having a positive mindset is in a challenging circumstance? Like, have you ever done a whole podcast on it? Maybe share what triggered you to think more positively. And I was like trying to figure out when to throw that in and it was, uh, thinking about effectively removing panic attacks that had kind of been like, Oh, that'd be a good place to put that in. And so for me, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to be more positive right now. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was the habit of learning to effectively manage panic attacks and effectively manage anxiety that I became more positive because lo and behold, what I was focusing on were positive things in my life. They were positive thoughts, positive values, positive habits, positive, um, daily, a daily gratitude practice probably is the biggest thing I did that changed my life. 
thankful for five things as soon as I open my eyes in the morning. I still do it. And it's probably the biggest thing. Because, you know what I mean? Like, the more that you say, hey, I'm thankful for those chairs because those chairs are I'm in my kitchen right now. Those chairs right there are where my kids sit. I can sit and have dinner with them. Right? The chairs are, they're just chairs. They're around the table. But what are the chairs used for? To enjoy meals every night that I can with my family. It's not that hard to find things to be grateful for now because I've learned to focus on those things as soon as my eyes open in the morning. And, and if you're really struggling, do it before you go to bed, do it at lunch, do it at dinner as often as possible. Consistently is going to develop this mindset of gratitude attitude of gratitude. You probably heard it from so many people, but what happens is when the stuff does hit the fan, you're in this mindset of, okay, well, what, can I get out of this situation that's going to teach me something? Now it's not easy and it's not the first thing that comes to mind. And that's, that's, it's the important part of someone saying, Oh, they're always so positive. They're not. (laughs) Okay. I'm not always very positive at all. There's many times that I have to fight to get myself back up into even keel just because like I've been through some stuff. Okay. The first thing, usually when I find out that I need another surgery or I get injured or I'm hurt or whatever, is like, all right, here we go again. Another setback. I I guarantee you that's the first thing that goes through my mind. And I'm like, nope, nope, let's reset. That's not true. What's true and real right now? And that's my inner dialogue. It's like, whoop, whoop. And so I've learned to recognize when I kind of, the old habit comes back and I, I interject my new habit. And so... Yeah, you know, positivity is a choice. Happiness is a choice because I've, I used to, I used to think that people are like that were positive all the time were an anomaly to me. Like I never really thought that I would have much to talk to them about because I didn't understand them. Like I, this headspace I was in, it was like they're just, they're like a unicorn. Like I don't understand you. <laughs> what I used to think about people like that, and now like. I'm not, I don't, in my mind, I'm not one of them, but to other people, like I hear it from other people a lot and like, you're just always so positive. I'm like, well, I'm not like, I've worked really hard at focusing on the things that are great in my life. That's the non-secret secret about being happy is it's a choice. I've chosen to be that way. I've chosen not to focus on the things that are going bad. Everybody has stuff. The people that are happy, the people that are positive, choose to focus on those things that they do have in their life because there is always someone that has it worse off than you. And getting back to the original uh, topic, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. When you are in a fixed mindset, you are more than likely feeling like a victim. And when I say victim, I'm not talking about people that have been subjective to trauma because there is a real victim in trauma situations, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, whatever, like there is trauma out there and people can be victims, but I'm saying mindset wise, fixed mindset, more than likely you're going to feel like you're a victim of your circumstance and you're going to be feeling like you're a victim of your life. But the secret about it is it is a habitual choice to flip that script and say, I'm going to focus on these things. I'm not going to focus on how afraid I am. I'm, you can still be afraid, but change your focus. And, and how you do that is I'm terrified, but I'm going to do it anyways. 
that's going to be the most powerful thing that you do in your life right now is to say, hold up, no more. I'm changing. And start interjecting a more positive, um, happier, more joyful frame of mind that will change your life. I'm kind of, and for me right now, it's like I'm, I'm feeling very grateful that I do that often because it's not easy always. I mean, there's stuff that happens. Like I was sick two weeks ago and I was just miserable, but I was still like, I wasn't like, I mean, I was unhappy, but I wasn't cranky. I wasn't pissy. I wasn't like, it was just, it sucked, but like I was still fairly happy and as happy as you can be when you're sick. But, and what I did is I focused on those things that I could do to help myself feel better. I focused on, okay, well, when I feel better, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I focused on what can I do that I can enjoy right now. And that's the thing is, is, is in the moment when you're either, especially for, for people with anxiety, when you're starting to feel fearful, be like, yeah, that's fear. And that's just my fear of fill in the blank, but I'm going to do this anyways. Now you may not do it just like everybody else, but who cares? You do it your way. Your way is good enough for you because you create your own metrics, right? You're the one that's going to grade yourself, not anybody else. Be terrified. And doing it anyways is called bravery. And I know you guys listening are brave people. You're some of the bravest people I know because you are suffering and many people don't have a clue that you are suffering. You're struggling. Many people don't have a clue that you're struggling. That's hard to do. To hold it together when you feel like you're falling apart. But you don't have to. Take control. Say, hold up. I'm going to reset to yourself because you need to break the habit of being afraid and say, I'm going to do something different for me. Take the reins and ride that bull, man. You guys got this. I know you do have a peaceful morning, afternoon or evening. Keep coming back guys. We're going to figure this out. I promise. We'll see you.